so uh, Prepstetters, that's an unusual name. Uh, it seems like it's like kind of a homesteading to me. It's like homesteading and prepping at the same time. Is that why you chose that title? Absolutely. Yes, it's right there at the intersection because one without the other is not complete. But if you've got both, um, there's a meeting point that's a balance that makes sense that that is going to let you live in the present, but also prepare for the future. And that's kind of where we're at mm-hmm. with prep stutters. Okay, so I, I noticed on your on your website a description. Maybe we may have copied and pasted on our on our bio for you, but that you're not really saying prepare for say an apocalypse uh, you're just saying prepare for what's coming is that what 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 do you feel is coming it daniel that's a huge question and i'll tell you what we've got is a whole lot of people that are preparing thinking okay jesus is coming back he's going to rescue us and everything's going to be fine, and we won't have to suffer, and there's nothing bad going to happen to us because we're God's children. Now, you can tell already I'm I'm a Bible-believing Christian, and as I read the Bible, I don't see any promise that says, hey, you all get a free pass. Nobody's going to have to suffer. Nothing's going to happen to you. You just all get rescued with, with a free uh, get-out-of-jail-free get card. And I, I want us to prepare not only for that day, which absolutely we should be prepared for, but we need to prepare for the days between now and then when there are going to be birth pains among the er, all, all over the earth. There are going to be things that we have to go through that we've never thought we would have to before. And some believe, yes, that we... Uh, will be raptured before that seven years of tribulation. I hope they are right. I want them to be right. But the reality is that even if we were, even if so, there are a whole lot of days where Christians are increasingly going to be uh, persecuted and not just in third world countries. Right here in America, we're seeing it uh exponentially increase with each passing day and i don't think the church is ready i don't think anybody's paying close attention even though we're catching wind of hey we don't like things politically or we don't like um the idea of a one world government and that sounds so strange and apocalyptic but i'm telling you I don't think that we're ready for the days between now and the end. And so that's what I'm trying to prepare people for of don't shut down your life. Don't stop living. We are supposed to abide until he comes and we're supposed to, to, to live well and, and have an abundant, wonderful life here. But we need to grow backbones. We need to get courageous. We need to be bold. And we need to be willing to suffer for what we believe in. And I don't believe we are ready for that. Mm. Does that make sense? It, well, of course it does. Uh, are, are you familiar with um, uh, Mark Robertson? Have you ever heard of that oh, name? Oh, just barely. Okay. He's yeah. A, he's an African-American. But uh, a couple of years ago, uh, he was just, a, just an average citizen. And he went to mm-hmm. a city council meeting where they were going to uh, restrict guns. And mm-hmm. he just lit them up, and it was one of the most wonderful videos ever out there. And I love he, it. I've probably seen that now that you're mentioning. I probably didn't catch his name, yeah. but oh man, I like seeing people stand up for that. 
Well, and, right. And so, so the end of that is, uh, w- what can become of such a thing is that that pa- catapulted him, his bold stand catapulted him to run for lieutenant governor of the state of North Carolina, which he is, and now he's running for governor. So my point is, he, he basically, he's kind of, sort of like Oliver Anthony, if you're familiar with him. Uh, mm-hmm. he, just, mm-hmm. he just came out of the woods with a song, and it just skyrocketed around, Isn't the, it wonderful? around the system to number one in iTunes and Billboard and millions and yep. millions. But he took a bold stand. And people he said, well, sure people, so obviously a whole bunch of people are upset with the stand he took. Like, you're not supposed to say that. You're, and it's the same thing with Mark Robinson. But look what happened to these two individuals when they yep. took a stand. One went to number one in Billboard and is one is is in high demand across the country. And he, and, and, and his 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 representative is a plumber. And then <laughs> and now Mark Robinson made it to lieutenant governor and he's more than likely mm-hmm. going to be the governor. And so. When you say Christians need to take a stand, we instantly think we're going to take a stand and we're going to lose everything. We're going to lose our battles and we're going to get called out and we're going to get canceled. But you just might have the opposite effect. You just might end up leading a whole bunch of other people, to, to, by your example, that they could take a stand and start to mm-hmm. push back some of these uh, forces of darkness. I I totally agree with you. And I would say even one step further, more than likely, you'll have both things happen, just like the in intense uh, pressure that's against us, where we've got people that are really fighting and just shredding our reputation if they can. But you you see, just like like with the song and, and one song, one guy just being faithful to speak the truth catapults him to to a worldwide stage because he had enough backbone to take the flack as well as the praise. And uh, I want us to grow that kind of courage where no matter how much opposition, it's worth it for the people that absolutely are desperate for leaders to step up to the plate and say, hey, I'll stand up for it. Mm-hmm. I know you probably face a lot of this with your your with your podcast, with what you're doing, and I know I sure do. There are there are plenty of people against us, but there are also plenty of people that are challenged and given courage by what we step up to the plate and and boldly proclaim. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I have stood up, and that's why I, my YouTube canceled my channel. Yeah, with hundreds of videos on it, and I'm on streaming on Rumble. I haven't had any problems since then. But then again, maybe I'm you know. Uh, I've I've kind of even though I I was sort of uh, uh, self self censored I guess in YouTube, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Th- it wasn't enough. And so and and that's a thing. It's almost like making a deal with the devil, you know. Say well, yeah. you know, if and and that's a large view of the Christian community. Hey, if you you know, we don't want to judge anybody. Uh, you know, and if somebody wants to live their own life and everything, well, we've said that for fifty years, and now we've got drag queens in public schools in, in kindergarten. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's that it's that kind of thing, you know. They self-censored. They were Christians been self-censored, censoring themselves for decades, and mm-hmm. that's kind of why we are. Because as far as I can tell, the Christian segment is maybe one of the largest populations out there in the country, but they just don't express outrage on hardly anything. The biggest outrage we ever heard was Bud Light, and I don't. You know, I know. So I I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. But on the other hand, I guess. The hard work of a lot of people eventually got Roe v. Wade turned over. One way or another, it got it got it got turned turned over. Yes, yes, that's true. Mm. If we band together, we can make more of a difference. But also, we shouldn't use that as a cop out of if if no it, it, 
if I'm going to stand up, I have to have people around me. And you want to say, no, stand up anyway and let the people come that will stand around you and, and, and band together to make a big difference like that. Well, but, yeah, we've seen victories. Well, speaking of that, you certainly have had a number of people stand around you. What I'm seeing is uh, you have about 335,000 YouTube subscribers. There's a bunch. Yep. <laughs> so. Yep. And they're wonderful people. They are good folks that, oh, man, they pray for me. They send little gifts and encouraging notes. And I feel overwhelmed with the blessings besides the, the few that certainly let me know for mm-hmm. their opinions on what they disagree with. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in, in, your, in your videos, what is a, a classic Krista Swartz prep stater video like what's it about what kind of information what do you share well i'm trying to appeal to not just not just christians and not just um the folks that are that are already homesteaders that have it all together i'm really trying to talk to people who are um just just waking up to realize hey wait a minute something's going wrong in this world and and i have sat complacently here on the couch far too long. Interestingly, my generation has grown up with very few skills passed down from our parents. Um, Our grandparents all lived through the Great Depression and World War II, and they knew how to do everything. And they reused their tinfoil and their uh, Ziploc bags and Tupperware until it just wouldn't go any further. And they knew how to stretch a dime and and live off the land and all these things that we just somehow have this gap of once they learned all those things they wanted their children to live a better life they america went into this kind of time of uh, more opulence and and abundance and so some of those skills kind of missed a little bit of passing down like they maybe should have. Now, my generation is is um, having to kind of relearn and ask the grandparents, okay, how did you do that? How do you bake bread? How do you uh, split firewood? How do you, you know, camp in the wilderness with nothing? How do you start a fire? And so, for me, a prep stutter video is how to learn how to abide till he comes, how to live on a homestead wherever you are. Um, take where you're at. It could be in a high-rise apartment in, in Chicago. I don't, I don't know. But what you have to work with, learn how to do as many skills as you can that are going to come in handy in the days ahead. Mm-hmm. It's going to give you courage. It's going to take away some of the fear and anxiety if the electricity goes out, if you can't communicate with your family because your cell phone is no longer available for that, or you can't travel anywhere. Um, there are so many different things that if you have skills developed that are incorporated into your daily life, that they become part of just how you live it takes a huge amount of anxiety and pressure off your shoulders and you just kind of enjoy new knowledge, curiosity, learning new things continually. And, um, and it prepares you automatically so that if you were ever in a very stressful environment where you were forced into a situation that you had to use those skills, 
you would already be there. You'd already be ready. And so um, each episode, I try to teach one simple skill. It could be learn how to make fire. And then you need to have about five of those ways, by the way. So another video might be on how to make fire a different kind of way or a different kind of way or how to how to sleep outside under the stars without a tent or how to navigate with a compass. If you've never used a compass before, you better practice because you don't just pick it up and go, oh, there's north. I think I'll walk that way. Um, no, there's more to it. You need to learn how to use a compass. You need to learn how to um, understand the 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 stars and the constellations. The um, Oh, you need to know the skills our grandparents knew of baking bread, building a good fire, making a shelter, capturing water for yourself and and know how to filter it and make it so it's usable for your family to drink in an emergency mm-hmm. if the water were cut off. Mm-hmm. Um, how to garden, how to covert garden, which is one of my favorites, how to communicate covertly so that uh, others that would might be listening to your cell phone don't mm. have to mm-hmm. get in on the important stuff right. that you need and to communicate. I, I, talk about talk about that. I am constantly aware. I, I was in conversation with my brother on a text, and I thought this can't this conversation can't be happening. What we're talking about on this right. text, there's a digital right. there's a digital footprint. By the way, Krista, the people in the live chat watching the show are complimenting you on on the video picture, which is outstanding. Uh, rarely do we get, I mean, I've done thousands of interviews and rarely do we get a picture of this crystal clear. So whatever you, oh, whatever you did good. is really good. By the way, we also have a, a, we also have a poll on the website there and, and, uh, associated with this interview. It says, are you prepared for the days ahead? And, um, the results are 50, 50, 51% say, yes, I am. Uh, 26% says I'm thinking about it. 13 says, mm-hmm. 13 says not at all. Seven or eight percent says, I don't need to prepare. And uh, another one, uh, the last one is, uh, I trust the government. So, uh, I mean, so there are people that, that are thinking about it. But let me ask you mm-hmm. something. Is it possible, and, and do you do you ever suggest people to try to live off the grid or live on the grid? Is it possible to yeah. live off the grid? It is possible to live off the grid. It's getting easier and easier every day. And I do think there are people that absolutely thrive in that situation. Now, it's not for everyone. And you don't see me living off grid. And furthermore, you would not see me uh, telling anyone that they have to or that the, that it's time to. However, you need to be ready to. And so there are a whole lot of things you can do while living on the grid, still with everything plugged into the wall uh, to prepare yourself for the event that you might have to live off grid. Mm -hmm. But uh, I have a few friends that live off grid. I help people get to that situation and get their systems in place. But I want to tell them in the gentlest kind of way, there is no virtue in you closing up shop on the world and going and holing up in a cave of sorts in your little off-grid private sanctuary and thinking that that's going to solve anything. It's not time to, and there's nothing in scripture that tells us that that's virtuous. It's not even necessarily virtuous to um, become a homesteader and just uh, 
practically worship the earth thinking, oh, we're just supposed to regenerate everything and we're all one in the earth and all of that. We are to take care of it. Homesteading is wonderful. It's it's fantastic, but it doesn't necessarily prepare you to be courageous and stand up for what you're supposed to in the days ahead. Also, living off grid, as you mentioned, is not is not changing anyone else's life. Mm -hmm. It's not is not inspiring the world or standing up for anything that's going to help um, further the cause of Christ or or help someone else around you. And so. There's not virtue in that alone, mm -hmm. but there are a whole lot of skills that you should learn and can learn that would prepare you if you need to go off grid. Uh, isn't it uh, kind of a you in your in your opening statement? You, you said that uh, a lot of people believe that Christians, particularly American Christians, are scheduled to escape escape the yeah. horrors of everything. And isn't the the I've heard somebody say that the the rapture itself was basically kind of an American idea that the Europeans didn't believe in that. Are you familiar with that controversy? Oh, I hear, I hear all kinds of controversies and, and there are lots of arguments either way. I think it depends on how you interpret the scriptures. And personally, I don't think we're ever going to plumb the depths and have all knowledge and all understanding until we see Christ face to face. So, mm -hmm. I say, let him do it however he's going to do it, and you better be ready for e any different version of scenarios mm -hmm. that may play out. Okay. All right. Life Station Express says, uh, Krista, what if you don't own land? So how can you be a prep stetter if you don't own land? You do it anyway. I, um, you, you're you're going to be just fine. Um, if you don't own land, start where you are. You can learn every single skill I've already mentioned, everything from capturing water and making it, pot it potable and uh, all those skills that your grandparents had through the Great Depression and, and World War II. Those are not dependent on you having to have your own land. I would encourage you to figure out ways to grow things. You might need to do an extra bit of research on, okay, what can I grow in my windowsill? Or if you have a little balcony, um, what can I grow out there? Or hopefully you might rent, but even have a little bit of yard to work with where you should just capitalize every bit of attention you can on planting things that will sustain you in the days ahead in that yard. Mm -hmm. So um, now as far as the skills, let's talk about the, the, the skills of our fathers, forefathers. Mm -hmm. Can I say, is that, is that sexist? I don't know. but uh, No, it's not. Um, if, you, if you're, say, living in an apartment, do you need to have the skill of starting a fire? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, think about this. The chances, if, if you just took a week uh, and gridded it out on an Excel spreadsheet or something like that, and you looked at how many minutes of your time are spent away from your house, that's going to give you the first indication of some of the preparation that you might need to make. Like if you work a nine to five job that's 45 minute drive from home, and you're there every day of the week except for Saturday and Sunday, that means you very well might be at work when something goes down. And if that were the case, or if the interstates were shut down, you might want to capitalize on, okay, what, am, what do I need to carry right with me to have available at all times, like in my vehicle? Do I need to learn alternative routes home that don't require that I get on the interstate? What are the mapped 
alternative routes and then alternatives to the alternatives. You got to go through, you know, five or six or eight different ways that you can get back to your home if you happen to be on foot or if you um, need to stay under uh, under surveillance or out of surveillance to get there. Um, you would want to consider who it is that you work with and which of those folks you can trust and and might need to band together with if you needed to walk home together or pool your resources to make it um if there was a national disaster or natural disaster there depending on where we live there's a myriad of natural disasters that could occur locally that would affect us that are also worthy of preparing for not just mm-hmm. something worldwide catastrophic no, you know when, when when you're preparing like that uh well let's just say you're in a high-rise apartment and word got out uh in the in the complex that you've been preparing for years and then something happens and everybody knows that uh is is that something that you do you think about beforehand that you that you never oh, maybe yeah. never should have let people know that oh yeah oh yeah for sure daniel I mean that's imperative. I want I want um all of us to think how to live gray man every single day. Now, when you look at me, I hope you don't see prepper. I don't wear camo. You see I have fingernails that are painted and long. I have lots of people say, "Oh, you're a girly girl," and I smile and I don't defend myself even though I want to. <laughs> I want to run out there and say, "Oh, I'll bet you don't have any idea what I can do." But I hold my tongue and I be a girly girl and I love that and I want to I want to interact with society and live my life right where I'm at, fitting in correctly with the people I am surrounded by. Not not trying too hard, just simply uh, being one of the folks that I am surrounded by. And I think each one of us needs to. If you start looking tactical with your backpacks and your, uh, you know, whatever, concealed carry or or just your tough looking truck with the bumper stickers that say what you believe in, be very certain that you are a target, one of the first ones that would be picked mm-hmm. off in the event that there mm-hmm. is something that goes south and the nation decides to send in some kind of, um, you know, power that's going to, to be ne- the new in charge f- for your area. I would say you want to be a master of living very gray man every single day, all the time, right now, starting now. <laughs> Gray man, that's an original term to me. What does that mean? It it just means you have nothing about you that sets you apart from anyone else. Ah, blend um, in. Yeah. I, you know, it, hey, I, I read I read once that said that in this type of situation, what you want to do is take some spray paint on your house, just graffiti it, bust out some windows, and park your car out there and slash some tires. So if you needed look, to. So it looks like somebody's already been through. You ain't got nothing. Mm-hmm. I would hope that we aren't going to have to have it be that drastic, but you better be ready if you need to. Yeah, if you're the one still mowing your yard and keeping everything neat and tidy. And I'd take it one step further and, and say this. A lot of new preppers think, oh, if I just get a generator, then I'll have electricity. And I would say that is a poor decision because that generator makes so much noise mm-hmm. it's going to draw everyone attention around and you'll be the first one picked off and they'll and they'll take yeah, that generator yeah, finally finally somebody agrees with me on this issue because i've always said 
that it goes dark and all of a sudden your lights come back on, you just put yeah. out a beacon, man. It's, it's like absolutely. The, it's, it's like the building in Ghostbusters, man. That, that thing was putting a beacon out to all the demons out there, and they all, you know, that's what that lights do. You don't want to, you don't want to have a generator. And besides that, you, you no. may, what are you going to get three or four days of refrigerated food when you talk about months? You might get a couple extra yeah. days, but you also might get swarmed before mm-hmm. your before your gas goes out. Because I don't think most people are going to have an accumulation of ten to twenty thousand gallons of of gasoline under the ground no. or however they would keep it. So yeah, I, so I do agree with you on, on the gray man principle. Mm-hmm. But I've got a real, I've got a really Im, important theological questions question to you. Did I see on your website that you can eat daffodils? <laughs> daffodils? No, no, you didn't see me doing that. You saw daylilies. Oh, daffodils day are yeah. toxic, but daylilies, common daylilies. Now, mm-hmm. all the special hybrids and stuff. No, those are not edible but daylilies are are edible and their their tubers under the ground are like little potatoes sort of like if you grow sunchokes or jerusalem artichokes Mm -hmm. you can eat the daylily tubers just like that they taste like little new potatoes and they're wonderful besides being able to make fritters out of the out of the heads of them and everything so so krista could i say about you that it, it, if a person went out into a forest, they say, man, you know, they're running for their life. There's nothing to eat out here. we got to go back and submit. But you would, would you look at the forest and say, man, this is a smoker's board out here? Yes, I would. <laughs> I love it. And you don't have to be a master forager to feel that way. But as soon as you realize all the ways you can eat a pine tree or cattails or kudzu or all the different things. The only thing I would caution is, is if you're not sure about mushrooms, boy, be very careful. Just, just thinking, Hey, I found some mushrooms. I'll eat those. But, but you can become a really good, uh, knowledgeable source of, of identifying food all around you with very little effort. If you'll just take the time and get out there and, and do it. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I guess I'll have a different point of view because I frequently go through. Eastern Tennessee and then the Western North Carolina and then that kind of area to go to the mountains and hike and different things. And as I go through, I see the kudzu and I always thought, man, yeah. I feel, I hope it doesn't go to somebody's house, you know, and covers the whole house. <laughs> so I'm mean, always, always look at it as a nasty plant, but you're saying, Hey man, there's free food yeah. right there. Yes, absolutely edible. If you're in the part of the country where it's taken over, man, get you some. That and cattails would be my first two things that any of us could identify and go out and forage for. If you can't think of anything else, man, find a pond with some cattails and find some kudzu that's climbing over something, and you would be able to sustain yourself for quite a bit of time. Now, there's a couple of things I've learned over over the years, and, and of course, one of them is uh, dandelions and all the benefits from, from that. Yeah. And, course we raise bees and so we see like not only are there just a food human food various things but the, the bees love them so when, when you go around my neighborhood there's no weeds anywhere around all of a sudden you, you get to, to my yard and and there's clover all <laughs> through there and dandelions all yes. through there and you, there's milkweed out there for for the monarchs and and this is what i discovered because you know when you think of milkweed I, that, that, there's another thing so as, as i looked at the kudzu but now i looked i, I previously looked at the the milkweed, and then I discover what it does for butterflies. But man, it's it's so fragrant, as, as, and the bees love that too. So I thought, so yeah. we're we're actively trying to grow the weed that everybody else has total disdain. So my neighbors, man, when it gets bad, don't come over me and be asking me for my dandelions because you don't killed all yours in your own land. <laughs> yep, 
Yeah, so many people do that. And one of my strategies for for multiplying the usefulness out of my garden is to even let a whole bunch of different specifically chosen weeds have at it. And and dandelions are one that I let grow anywhere they want in the garden. And, and I'll work around them because those are so nutritious and have great properties, like you said, for multiple reasons, not just for us, but for the bees and, and other reasons. Mm-hmm. All right. We have this question from uh, Jade, the moderator of our chat. She says, Krista, what are some of the plants that one could plant in the yard that would be an unobvious food? Okay. Well, I love I love thinking about um, the common daylilies. Those are what all of our grandmas grew up with those in their front flower beds. And no one in the world would think that those were edibles. So start with your mind going that direction and go, instead of me planting just what's pretty, let me research every single thing I'm going to plant out in the flower garden, in the front flower beds, and make sure that it has an edible quality to it. So I have echinacea that grows out there and just looks like beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. cone flowers. You've got um, the the sunchokes, the Jerusalem artichokes that just look like big, tall, black-eyed Susan daisies. You've got the daylilies. And then in your yard, you've got white clover. I make a wonderful white clover pudding that makes my mouth water talking about it. Literally every spring, it's my favorite thing. But white clover is all through the year. The Mm -hmm. dandelions and the dandelion roots. You've got sorrels, uh, any of the different sorrels. But wood sorrel is the most common here in Tennessee. Um, The chickweed. Oh, my goodness. Chickweed is fantastic to just eat plain but then when it does turn into those awful horrible cockaburs that that mm. stick to your socks mm. when you go through the yard you just let them come on and pick those cockaburs you can roast those and they make a fantastic coffee replacement so you wow. you can use the cockaburs um then you've got Oh, there's so many different things. Of course, wild onions and wild garlic and chives. You'll need all of those. And lamb's quarters, one of the best, most nutritious thing. But my favorite, I really would say, is probably um, purslane because purslane is kind of a succulent type, thick, puffy uh, little thing that grows here in Tennessee. Whenever it hits 90 degrees, it just goes crazy. And that's about mid-June. You'll see uh, we have purslane cover everything and grow out of everywhere it can. But it has more vitamin A in it. If I'm saying this right, I'll have to, I'll have to make sure I, you do your research. It's got more, it's not vitamin A. It is, um, What's the what's the acid that we need that is from fish? Um, what? Oh, I've just now forgotten it. Oh, that, oh. But, babe, don't worry about that. How do you spell that? Purslane. Purslane is P-U-R-S. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it has an E and then L-A-N-E. Okay. Purslane. Okay. Never. I wonder if I got that out there. Hmm. I think in 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 South America it's called vertilaga or something like that. They they use it a lot in every kind of recipe, um, but it is one of those superfoods that's extra nutritious. And then I have stevia growing. Stevia is, of course, super sweet, grows right beside my hey, mint. Hey, and hey, Krista, like... hey, Krista, was that folic acid? No, um, it's, 
two words. Omega, I'll think of here. Omega in a three. We, we got people in the live chat. They're really, really jumping in here. And speaking of that, it's, let's, it, let's, it's why we eat fish. What's the main thing we get in our all right. fish? All right, people, uh, when you, all right, people watching the show, what is it that we eat fish for? It's acid. Yes. Okay. All right. Somebody's going have to get somebody put it in there as a as a as a uh, question and and whoever gets it first can get a prize or something like that. <laughs> I guarantee you they're on it because they love this show and they, they, they always want to help out. All right. Doug in Virginia says, um, what do you think would be the safest state in the U.S. when things go bad? Well, let me, I just happen to have a book here that I highly recommend regarding that. You, I'm sure you've seen this before, but strategic relocation. Mm. Have you seen this? Uh, I have not. Oh, man, this is a book everyone should have. This is by Joel Skousen and his son, Andrew Skousen. Mm -hmm. And they take every single state in the union and rate it with stars uh, of of what they recommend. And they rate everything from um, Second Amendment rights to prevailing winds, nuclear threat sites, uh all, all kinds of different things, the crime rates of those states, the topography, the soil uh, content and, and the growing season length and everything like that. It's absolutely fascinating. I will say New York. I'm just on it right now. It gets one star out of five. <laughs> so New York is on the bottom hey, of the hey, list. Did you, hey, 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 let me skip to a chapter. Did you, did you uh, get uh, to Indiana? Indiana, I know, rates pretty good. Let me go to it. But I'll tell you, Idaho obviously rates very well. Um, Tennessee rates very well. Missouri, I think, is pretty good. Hold on. Let me get to Idaho. You want to guess how many stars are in a, on it before I get there? Out, out of how many? Out of five. Out of five, Indiana? I'll, I'll, I'll say four. You'll say four. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to hold it up for you, have, and you're going to tell. We have a super, uh, legi- super red legislature here. I'll say Illinois only gets one star. Uh, of course, yeah, I agree with that. Can you Indiana? I do <laughs> two stars. Wow. <laughs> wow. But he, but he has really good yeah. points that he makes, and See, he'll and thinking. he'll give caveats. He'll say, yes, the whole state rates a two star, perhaps, but he'll say, but then there's this one sliver that I strongly recommend that mm-hmm. is exactly the type of folks and the type of place that you want to be. And so he doesn't just throw every state completely under the bus uh, in the event that, that uh, you know, overall it doesn't rate well. Okay. But, uh, but to answer her question, I would absolutely vote. Idaho is a good one today mm-hmm. as of the day of this broadcast. Um, now, subject to change. I, By the way, they're saying, yeah. they're saying in the live chat, it's omega-3 fatty acid. That's right. Um, omega-3 fatty acids. It yes, it has more than almost any plant on the entire earth. Wow. Thank you. That is outstanding. So, yeah. Uh, so I see on, on your website or your latest video, well, not your website, YouTube, uh, looks like you, ha- do you have like a, a, a memorize a scripture of the month. Is that what you do? You know what? This is so interesting. I wish I had brought it in here. I had written it down the other day. Um just just about two months ago, incidentally, I was listening to a broadcast from Voice of the Martyrs, and it was a man that had been held for three years over in Iraq, I believe, in prison for his Christian beliefs. And then three months of that were spent in solitary confinement. 
And finally, he was released and he was interviewed about his experience. And he was just absolutely aglow with hope and joy and the love of life. And you just thought, man, for someone who was so persecuted, how could he be this way? But at the very end of the broadcast, they said, okay, how can we pray for you? Like, what's your number one prayer request? And man, it hit me what he said. He said, pray for the American church to have to suffer. Pray for more suffering in America because they will not turn to God until they're required to suffer. Mm. And as awful as that sounds, he was saying, don't pray for me. Pray for yourselves that somehow suffering is allowed to enter in enough that people turn back to God. And then he said this, the number two thing he wanted to leave with was, and memorize scripture. Because while I was in prison, the only thing I could have with me was my memory. And in between my torture sessions where they went and would just, you know, be terrible to him, he would go back to his cell and he would recall every one of those scriptures he had memorized. And so starting a year or two ago, we were we were broadcasting one chapter of scripture per month. And I went through a couple of years of that and my goodness, my original intent was just 12, and I think we have about 30 or so scripture uh, chapters that I've memorized. And so that I don't lose the ones I learned at first, I'm just sticking with these right now. But mm -hmm. if I was to encourage anyone uh, to, to memorize those scriptures, I would, I would absolutely encourage you at least learn some of the Psalms. And my favorite is Psalm 27, and I would memorize second peter three because you need reminded what's what's coming and how you will have mockers that say oh but we've been saying for centuries that christ would come we've you're just full of hogwash mm. that's that's covered in that second peter three chapter and i would just say oh man if you just memorize those two chapters mm -hmm. psalm 27 and second peter three well Oh, storm up in your heart for the days to come. Well, there's some people uh, in the Washington, D.C. gulag from January 6th. With, that's all they have. And unbelievably, many of those people have their their faith is what's keeping them alive in there. And I yeah. hope, yeah. You know, I don't know if they're even allowed to have a Bible, but their faith, that would have been a place where, and any of us could, you know, any of us could be brought up on charges just for whatever. Right. If they want to get right. you. Whatever they want to come up with. It doesn't really, and the truth is not even an issue. Just if they, if you come up on their radar, they'll, they can do yeah. that. And you may find yourself in that way. But yeah. so I, so I have, I have a thing here I, I want to do. I've never done this before. You mentioned, uh, um, uh, Psalm 27. Mm -hmm. So why don't we go through that and apply see how it goes. I mean, I'm sure it's even go. I'm just going to try it and go through it and apply it. It's message to today's culture and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's type of thing. Let me, I'm going to jump out of the picture. I'm going to take you out of the picture too. Sure. And let's see how this goes. See if I'm going to completely botch this or we're going to actually do something that's relevant <laughs> here, <laughs> but let's do it. Here it is. All right. So let's roll it. This is uh, Psalm 27. We'll, we'll go down each one in. You you give, maybe we'll do every other one or something. We'll have, have you start here and as this comes up. So, if, if Chris, if you want to, then go ahead and read that and, and give what that means. How do you apply that to today's culture or to today's people? The, the, absolutely. The Lord is my light 
and my salvation. If we just stopped there, remember that the the enemy, that Satan himself is masquerading as an angel of light. And I think when I quote this, I am saying, I'm declaring, I will not be deceived by any false lights. I will not let anything come in between me and the Lord who is my one and only singular light. He is my light and he is my salvation. And because of that, I have no reason to fear. There, There is no one else that can compete with my God who is sovereign over all. He is, he is the strength of my life. And because of that, there is absolutely no reason that I have to be afraid of any other entity that's going to come against me. If I only took this one verse, it might be enough. If you really internalized it and believed, if, if God is the only one, the only light and the only source of your salvation, you have no one else that can compete against you and have victory or, or make you cower in fear. Mm. All right. Now I'll go ahead and take this one here. This would be oh, Psalm yeah. 27 two, and uh, see what it says here. All right. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. That, that kind of reminds me of some of the scriptures where uh, the enemy would come in like a flood and then they would end up battling themselves. So it says, mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. on what you, the, the foundation that you read in, in verse 1, that the, your enemies will come and, and they will try to devour you. And I think they yeah. devour you to eat your flesh to me is saying they will eat your finances, they will eat your family, they will eat your relationships, they will eat, uh, they will eat your, your possessions, and they mm-hmm. will try to do that. But they will stumble and fail. It seems that the, the the plans of men in the eyes of God is foolishness, and he laughs at their derision. So, knowing that the Lord is your light, when the wicked will come, and, and this, in my opinion, they they do come. But mm-hmm. you have to know that that God will fight the battle for you. You know the psalm that uh, the. Uh, where it says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High abideth under the shadow of the Almighty, oh, and they it. will not be able to get through, uh, and they will stumble and fall. And I, I don't know if we, you know, they're, they're evil plans. I mean, the plans against uh, the uh, uh, attorney, uh, the uh, uh, was a district attorney of, of, of Texas, uh, the attorney general, mm-hmm. their plans mm-hmm. were so evil and yeah. they had all those charges against him and all these false witnesses, and they stumbled and they fell. Let's go to verse 3. Back to you. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, and the, verse 3 is kind of a continuation of that. Though a host should encamp against me, not just one or two enemies, but a whole, a whole posse. Even if a host should encamp against me, my heart will refuse to fail. I will not fear. And the war arise against me, in this, I will be confident. Um, I just, I just see each one of us being who are willing to have a backbone to stand up against the the deception that is just uh, exponentially increasing around us. If we can know the Word of God and stand firm in it, it's going to be like a rock foundation that is going to keep us absolutely secure even if the entire world were raging against us Mm. we can have have faith that we're going to be all right okay and then moving on to uh 27 4 
says, uh, One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. And this kind of goes to something that you said earlier here, is that, that you said don't cower in a corner. God doesn't want you to cower in a corner. He wants you to right. seek after him and and the and the beauty of his holiness and the beauty mm-hmm. of the Lord inquire in his temple and come to him with a full heart of faith, expecting that he understands you, that he has a plan for you, and you can yeah. inquire in his temple. And, of course, we know that we are the temple of God, so our prayers, uh, that's how we inquire, and he will give us the answer. So, it's, But it's, I will desire of the Lord, and I will seek after. And you notice, somebody said, well, hey, I thought this program was about prep studying. You know, Krista, what we're doing right now, we're doing some major prep studying by looking at, the, by looking at the Word of God. Yes, yes, for sure. And we'll get back to the practical stuff in, in just a few minutes, but I'll tell you, they go hand in hand. You can't just prepare uh, physically and mentally with a bunch of preps and think that that's going to solve anything for you, especially in light of eternity. This next verse, it says, um, I, I just love it. It says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his uh, what, what is it? Pavilion in the secret place in his tabernacle. He will hide me and he shall set me up upon a rock. I love the, the concept of having him be my foundation, but also my covering. So he's underneath me. He's surrounding me on the sides and he's above me. And above us is our head. That's where we're so deceived when, when people come in and get in our mind. And if you watch the World Economic Forum in Davos and you listen to their agenda and you heard them showing, I, I hope all of you have seen it, the footage of them explaining how they can track your brainwaves. They can tell you the PIN number of your bank account. They can tell you who you're fantasizing about in your office across in the other cubicle. They can describe what you are seeing in your brain without you even describing anything, without you saying a word. They have gotten that much technology advanced now so that they can read your brainwaves. That should be very disconcerting. And so more than anything, I want the Lord to be the covering over me also. Put a tent over me. Keep keep my head secure, Lord, so that I am not surveilled when I'm supposed to be. I I pray often that he hides me in plain sight. That's that's gray man for you is that the Lord would hide you in plain sight, even if you're surrounded by your enemies or those who would deceive you or even try to read your brainwaves. I know it sounds weird, but if you haven't seen that footage, go watch the World Economic Forum and and see what they're saying. And you'll realize, nope, it's here. I think we've all I think we've all experienced where uh, we were thinking about something. All of a sudden it appears in, in Amazon uh, mm-hmm. thing, Isn't that thing. interesting? Yeah, and as things come up like that. Verse 6 says, And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises Hallelujah. to the Lord. You know, that kind of reminds me, didn't, didn't the, 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 the disciples, they were in prison and they were singing, and did not the, the chains drop yep. when they were singing? Yes, yes, what a story. And it's worth going back and rereading because what a glorious, yeah, if God can do it once, he can do it again, mm-hmm. or he'll do another unique way of doing things. I love mm-hmm. reading stories like when he when he uh, had the, 
axe head float up out of the water, uh, float up to the surface of the water, and an iron axe head isn't supposed to float, or you know the stories of of things that he only did once, and he may repeat the same technique again, or he may use some other completely unique version of how he wants to take care of his children and rescue us. But you're absolutely right; he can do anything. All right, Kristen, back to you on seven. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. Let me read number eight as well. It just says, when thou saidest, seek my face, my heart says to you, Lord, your face do I seek. And I think these two verses just go together with with a cry from his children. He loves hearing us call him daddy and Lord and master and, and putting ourselves before him and say, hey, I can't save myself. I can't rescue me, but you can. Please don't turn your face away. I'm imperfect. I am just as messed up as the next guy. I don't care who you want to point out. We are all so messed up. But when we fall before him and ask for his mercy and ask him to not turn his face away, he's like the best Abba father daddy that will not refuse his child and he picks us up and he holds us and and i love that this is just the cry of of david's heart as he wrote this you know the lord has told us to seek his face only and it's our uh, our duty to to say back to him you know what you are the one i will seek you've told me to i'm obeying you and yep i'll get it imperfect but i'm going to seek you with all my heart and i know you'll reward me for that sincerity and that authentic search for you mm. all right well said well said and then moving on here to, to number nine hide not thy face from me put not thy servant away in anger Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. You know, and that's one of the, one of the scriptures, Christians, that I find myself claiming that this is the goodness of the Lord leadeth men to repentance. And I think hopefully everyone is saying, you know, because uh, some people think, well, you know, there is a certain fiery, fearful indignation that can happen. But I find mm-hmm. that the Lord is more general. He he is quick to forgive and long in patience. Yeah. And if it wasn't for that, we'd all, we said we'd all be destroyed. So we say, Lord, yeah. don't, don't hide your, your face and your servant away in anger. And I think his message is that he, he, to go from what you just said, he loves his children and there is mm-hmm. not, there is not anger. And he has long suffering and patience toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He is the God of our salvation. That's the loving father. And he's not somebody up there looking for you to slip up. And so many people, claim they 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 put that on christians their uh, their face saying well god just wants to strike people down that who wants to serve a god like that that's not the god that i read about Krista. nope nope i agree with you i agree with you entirely all right number two i love this next verse because there are so many of us that have grown up with scars from a past um indiscretions of our parents who might have gotten a divorce or were hurtful toward us or or um children who have who have abandoned their faith or abandoned us or even turned against us. And this verse says, when my father and mother, or in some versions of the Bible, it says, even if my father and mother forsake me, yet I know the Lord will take me in. Now, there's a reason he put this verse in here, because he knew there are so many orphans out there. And really, if you get down to it, all of us are orphans. But 
But even if you had every one of the people that you trust and love, every spouse turned against you and and left you high and dry, even if your own mama turned against you, God forbid. But even then, know that you have the promise that the Lord himself will look after you. You are not alone. And in the days ahead, when the whole world gets shaken, trust that he has not abandoned this promise. It is till the end of time, and he will look after his children. So seek his face, call on him, and know, even if everyone you've ever trusted in is a total hypocrite or or abandons you or even throws you under the bus, put you in prison, he will look after you. I love that verse. Mm. All right, verse 11, uh, we have, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Uh, yeah. When he says teach, you know, you mentioned uh, memorizing the the Bible and various scriptures. When we study the Bible, he is teaching us, and mm-hmm. he and that becomes a light upon our path, so that it, it is not we're not stumbling around in the darkness. He will lead you in a plain path. In other words, that that path is lit by the knowledge yep. that he's given to you through the understanding of the Holy Spirit. And he said, and of course, we're saying, I need to know because my enemies are out there. So this is, this is a realization that they know that that we as, as as his children, we need to be taught. We need to learn and we need to seek his face and the understanding. So God speaketh once, yea, he speaketh twice. And it's a matter of kings to search a matter out. And when you search those matters out, you become a king and a priest for the most high. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Yeah. We're getting down to the end, just so you know, you guys. But this is a great verse. Deliver me. It's another plea. Deliver me, Father, out of the will of mine enemies. For false witnesses have risen up against me, and they breathe out cruelty. My version says they breathe out violence. But like we like we read in the very first couple of verses, no matter what comes against you, no matter how many enemies you have and how scary they look and how violent they are, you can pray this to the loving God who is looking after you, that he would deliver you out of the will of your enemies. That's sort of my my prayer of hide me in plain sight, oh God. That's kind of a take on this verse right here of Whoever it is that's around me that's opposing me, oh, you're the one in charge, though, and your will is what I want. So deliver me out of their will and have every single thing that you want accomplished with me done before I take my last breath. Mm. All right. And uh, Psalms 27, 13. I have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, so I've, I had fainted unless I had believed the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Right there, it says, if, if you believe in the Lord, then you will remain in the land of the living and you will see his goodness. You know, it says you have not because you ask not. Of course, mm-hmm. then you got to watch how you ask because uh, you could ask amiss and, you know, heap things upon the lust of your flesh. But he wants us to believe in his goodness and yeah. we won't faint. Uh, we'll run and will not faint. Uh, we'll walk and not be weary. We'll have dreams. I mean, there's a beautiful life that he has for those oh, in the land of the living. We get to the, the, be overcomers yeah. in, in this land and in the life to come. What's well, a beautiful promise from the Lord? And uh, Chris, you want to finish this up on 14? Oh, I love it. Yes, yes, yes. Wait on the Lord. So be of good courage. 
and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Oh man, if you aren't encouraged and inspired to learn this whole 14 verses here, I hope I hope that you look at it and read it again after we get off this podcast because truly there is nothing else worth waiting for. There's nothing else worth living for. S- say you became a master prepper and you preserved your life by one day, which it says in scripture, you can't even do that. But hypothetically, let's just say you were able to really just do some crazy thing and and lengthen your days by a few. What would that matter if you didn't have Christ? And so I love that that in this scripture, I'm seeing this prayer that's that's encouraging and inspiring us saying, man, be courageous, stand up, have a backbone for Pete's sake. Uh, let the Lord strengthen you with his power and his strength. And it's going to far uh, out, out shine any kind of strength or courage or preparations you can make in your own physical being or that this world is going to offer you. Wait for him and take courage, be strengthened. And it ends one more time just saying, and wait for the Lord. Hmm. All right. And thank you for that. And I hope somebody was encouraged by that. And I tell you, that if there's uh, something to memorize, that would that would certainly would be. All right. We have this question here. It says, uh, uh, what do you, this is from Geoning Joe. Uh, what do you believe will bring on the end of time? Man, that's a good question. I'll I'll say a couple of things that I don't really think it will be, and that is I we may see uh, signs in the heavens. And that's what that's what Scripture tells us. We'll see signs in the heavens, but I think that we will bring about a lot of the destruction on ourselves before the Lord comes Himself and and actually rains down fire. We know that the world is destroyed by fire. I don't know how that works, what that's going to look like, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's just going to be an accidentally looking accidental solar flare that catches mm-hmm. on fire on the world mm-hmm. or something. No, we're going to know specifically what's going on and it will be a direct act of the wrath of God when he comes. Now, between now and then, which is the days that I'm preparing people for, the days before he comes again, I think that we're going to wreak a whole lot of destruction on one another. And just a couple of the things that I think that you should be prepared for, that I am preparing for, would be national uh, lockdowns. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting that they've got scheduled for October 4th Mm -hmm. uh, an emergency broadcast system test that will go over the entire United States where everyone supposedly will get that text on their phone or the, the beep and the test of the emergency broadcast system there are going to be national mandates and lockdowns and um, the things that come into place that are sinister and wrong that that we'll see in the near future i think you should be preparing mentally and physically for a situation like that also nuclear threats at any moment we could experience a nuclear attack on our country. And I think that you should look into what you need to do to get you and your family prepared for nuclear attack. Um, but cyber attacks are huge right now. You've seen what's going on down there in Las Vegas where whole systems are being hacked by cyber attacks and hackers. I think those are just little petty uh 
precursors to what they can do to all of the banking systems, to all of us everywhere. If the banking, if the banking system was shut down and you did not have access to your money, how long could you survive in the event that your cash that might be on hand is worth anything? You might want to already be thinking about that. Um, because I think we'll experience some of that. And then, um, just, just tyranny and, and control and fear where they get people to turn on themselves. We noticed that back in the COVID era, right there in 2019, beginning of 2020. It was so interesting. Some of the news stories that we were seeing where, um, airlines didn't even have to have people uh go and be escorted off they got they got the people to ostracize each other if they didn't have their masks pulled up over their face and and if they can get the people to turn on each other what a danger and and be watching for that and don't fall for the tactics that you're going to see in the media or in airports or in large concert venues or large gatherings where they've just strategically manipulated things enough that we start all turning on one another. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you, it's coming and those are all birth pains right before the end. So Krista, on on your website and on your YouTube channel, you show people how to uh, grow things and, and to have develop different skills uh, do you venture into um, health such as building your immunity to, say, guard against uh, certain viruses? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's so much of that out there. For sure, I have, you know, I'm going to have my own elderberry bushes growing, and those are those are great. Get some elderberry bushes growing around you. Get some garlic growing. Get some honeybees like Daniel's got. Get uh, some, if you can get garlic and raw honey and elderberry wow. and some of these things growing right in your yard that are simple and easy, not super complicated, that's going to go a whole long ways at building your immune system and preparing you for when you might have to be your own doctor. But there are also great books I've got on my shelf of what to do. What is the, what's the one that's called Where There Is No Doctor, I think. Yeah. If you haven't gotten that book, that's a good one to get. Um, not real fancy looking, but you might want to have some skills like that for sure. Now, do you do you live on a farm? You know what? I don't. I live in what I call the big city, even though most of you probably wouldn't call it that. I live mm-hmm. right near Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and um, I'm from a huge big old ranch out in Oregon where my family is and of course they are trying every day to woo me back there um I would I would love to be out where they are with a whole lot more stars to see overhead and privacy and all of that but right now I am not in the ideal situation I'm I'm like very many people at this right. moment I rent a place I don't own my own place here and I live in sort of like a subdivision type place where I can see a whole lot of neighbors around. Mm -hmm. So a whole lot of what I do has to be rather covert. Well, that that really, really goes to your credibility too, because, you know, people assume that if you have a word like prep stator, that 
you know, you're got underground shelters and you're way out on the top of a mountain somewhere and you've got it made. <laughs> but most people live in situations like you just described. Yeah. So your attitude, yeah. so that they can't say, well, that's not me. I can never do that. But look where you're right. at right now and look at the difference that you're making, which is impressive. All right. Um, Thank you. How, how can you go gray man and still speak openly about God? That's a great question. I I was listening to the first half of it and going to give you some ideas. But when you say and speak openly about God, I'm going to just tell you right now, it's only a matter of time where to speak openly about him will likely get you in some sort of hot water wherever you find yourself. But the way that we hold that day back from coming close is by all of us having courage to step up to the plate, just like the college students down there at Auburn University this past couple of weeks, you've seen how so many of them have stood up and confessed mm-hmm. their sin openly, even their sin. I mean, that's not even that's not even what we're requiring from everybody. You don't have to yell that out, but they're but they are so hungry for God. They want to live differently. And those are those are young people. Those are the future. So. Praise the Lord for that. But the more of us that are willing to speak up and speak out and be baptized uh, in public and to live our faith out loud, it's going to hold back that day that is coming when we will be persecuted far more and we won't be able to go gray man. And I want to encourage you when that day comes, oh, you be proud to not be a gray man on that day. When it comes, you stand up boldly and say, nope, I choose Christ, Mm -hmm. and he will take care of you, even if it means giving up your life. We've still got all eternity ahead. This life is like this much, and then we've got the expanse of all eternity beyond this. Mm -hmm. So who cares if we suffer for a little while? Mm -hmm. I say that very glibly right now but if i meet you in prison remind me that you heard me say it that way because i will need reminded my faith will be tested at one at some point and it will be hard to remember oh yes this life is so short it will be worth it in the end because Mm -hmm. that's when life begins as soon as this one is over well when you talk about preps preps that in being prepared i was just thinking that it's well, the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God. And I was thinking along with that, in any battle situation, the warriors aren't putting the armor on when they're being attacked. They need to have the mm-hmm. armor on before. You say, well, I'm not being attacked. Well, that's okay. When you think peace and safety, that's when that's something's right. most likely to happen. Yes. So what you're saying is we need prep with a whole armor of God before that happens. And then therefore stand, stand for, therefore, you know, so that's right. Daniel. Not, here, not here yet or to, the degree that we all suspect is coming out. And I think most people after, after they've seen what's happening, know that something, something uh, on that order is coming. And mm-hmm. so here it goes. Yeah. So be prepared. And, have your, have your, have your armor on before you need to have it on. That's so, so true. You don't want to have to scramble. Think of that spiritually and physically. So, so prepare physically before you need it. And, and I know that something like a, Nuclear gas mask, for instance, that's a big ticket item. And especially if you have children and want to buy one for each of the family members, I know that's a huge investment. But if you pray about it and feel that that's something you need to prepare for, let it be a worthy investment. Get it now because you know you won't be able to 
when there is when there's some sort of nuclear fallout in the sky around you, mm-hmm. it, it'll be too late. Yeah, yeah, I, I well, want you to prepare spiritually and physically right now in advance. And and if you never did, if you didn't use it, you, that might be a barter thing too. You might use that as a barter thing. I mean, hun- yeah. hun- honey's going to be a barter thing. I tell you that. Um, Peter from Australia says, uh, Krista, how hard is it to make one's own fuel? Have you ever done that? Not really. No, I haven't. Okay, let me ask you another one then, another hard question. Well, have, you, have you skinned a buck? I have skinned a buck right. or, or helped with skinning of a buck. If my father was listening, he'd say, no, you didn't skin it. I skinned it, but you were there helping. So <laughs> I, I, have, I never have, I have, so. I have definitely helped, and I have certainly been in charge of of a of a big butcher knife cutting up a whole bunch of deer and elk and bear and cougar and all kinds of animals all my life. Mm-hmm. But back to the fuel thing, I just want to mention um, i I collect eggshells, mm-hmm. and I want to encourage all of you. You'll see several episodes we have coming up on prep setters about eggshells. They are an amazing source of uh, calcium that that can be used for several different things. And one of the things that you can make with that is like a napalm or a like your own sterno cans and that kind of fuel. And so I was making that oh a couple of weeks ago, and I had to call the fire department out. <laughs> I I messed up the recipe and and got in trouble. I'm not going to go into all the details right now, but you want to be careful. You do if you're young, you want to have supervision because it's not for the faint of heart. But but eggshells were part of that equation, and I thought it was hilarious. The fire guy, the fireman came out and they recognized me from prep stetters, and I felt so embarrassed. I thought if they just didn't know who I was, but <laughs> right. I'm not supposed to be the one having to uh, call the fire department to come out and, and help me when I mess up my fuel recipe. So I have tried and I have several, several um, close to being perfect uh, situations that I've gotten worked out, but I'm, it takes more tries than just one to get it just right. Mm-hmm. Well, still, it goes back. <laughs> it goes back to what I said earlier about fuel in general. I mean, you're going to run out. Nobody can have enough, but let me ask you, what are three absolutely must have things, I know that's simplified, but hey, uh, and in what quantities? Three absolutely must have things, items, for to begin prep studying on a serious level, and in what quantities? Oh, man, that's, I don't know that I'm going to be able to be precise on that. Of course, the first and most important thing would be a Bible. You have to have a Bible, and you have to know how to read. So let that be your number one prep if you have nothing else. Like we mentioned, you may be in a situation where your memory of what you've read and memorized out of that is all you have to work with. But the first thing that I tell people is get yourself an oil lamp. You see it spiritually uh, symbolized in scripture where it where it talks about the 10 virgins and how some of them had their oil lamps with plenty of oil to last through the night and some of them didn't and what happened and that's a bad story. You want to you want to definitely be one of the ones that's numbered among the people that are ready. And so, as a source of of heat and light and the ability to cook, I say if nobody if, if you don't know anywhere else to start, get yourself a good oil lamp and learn how to use it with the right kind of oil that 
that you can have inside the house. Mm-hmm. You know, there are different kinds and you want to make sure you know how to do that. Know how to have either a way to make n- more wicks or buy a bunch of extra wicks. But but an oil lamp is one of the very first preps that I tell everyone to get. Um, as far as uh, other things. Do, do you do you, do, you, do I, you have I, do you have long term food storage? I do. So I do. You sort of compliments um, as you're building your knowledge of how to survive. You have sort of a a cachet of of the long term food, and then you learn how to cook and eat things out in the forest and in land, and and develop your own self sufficiency. Is that well, yeah, to answer your question prior, though, to this, one of the things that I have is stored meats. Now, you can learn how to forage all day long, but if you live in town, especially, it's going to be very difficult for you if you think you're going to go out and hunt or trap or, you know, eat the mice in the wall or whatever you have in your mind of what what you would do in a, an emergency. I don't know, but um, you can buy emergency freeze-dried foods that last up to 25 years, or you can bite the bullet, save up all your money, scrounge it together. Don't go to Starbucks and get your coffee every morning until you have enough to buy a freeze-dryer of your own. Mm. And so I've got a freeze-dryer that when I originally got it, I thought, oh, I'll freeze-dry all of the garden vegetables. But in reality, no, you want to you wanna forage or Use as much fresh as you can as far as vegetables go, but proteins and eggs and milks and things like that, it's it's not something that you can replicate unless you have a cow that nobody else knows you have and is a source of milk and then meat at some point in the future or chickens and things like that. I would just recommend you either store preserved meats and proteins or get yourself some means to make your own. So many of the freeze-dried ones that you can get from from the different companies have so many preservatives in them or additives that that it's atrocious. It's it, it, and they don't taste good. But if you can preserve your own by freeze-drying, you'll be amazed at how you can season them perfectly. You can get them uh, so that they store for 25 years with no further effort on your part and it's lightweight because all the water is gone you know so so i would really say if i was telling you just three things of course the bible an oil lamp and probably uh stored meats is going to be one of those things because you're going to need a source of protein where you can go out and learn to forage everything else mm-hmm. okay chris so it's it's going down uh and you're trying to you're scrambling around the the, the the evil forces are heading your way and you you slip and you cut your arm you, you mm-hmm. don't you don't have any medical supplies you got to go out into the yard to get something what would you get to put on that cut first I grab sugar and and pack it with sugar I don't know how deep the wound is that you've got but for sure uh, one of my favorite things out in the yard once I got out in the yard would be the comfrey because comfrey is known as knit bone and uh, is just one of those miraculous. I've never heard of anything else that works like it where it actually mends bone and wow. comfrey makes your skin uh, re it, it makes cells regenerate and it fuses the skin back together and brings healing faster than anything else. Even just wrapping it in uh, a leaf right out of the yard. Yeah. 
didn't it seem that the Indians knew this kind of information? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, until the pharmaceuticals took over and yep. said, hey, we got yep. we can give you something synthetic, and then you can suffer with the consequences of that. All right, so they, there's been an attempt on the prep stetter to poison them. Again, the, 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 the hospital's closed. I mean, there's no doctors running for it. You got to go out there for to for you just ingested poison. What do we got? What do we got out there? The first thing I grab is my activated charcoal, and you'll see us in a prep stutter episode in the future where I show how to make your own activated charcoal. But here in the house, I have plenty of uh, already stored activated charcoal, and that's going to help a whole bunch with that taking out any kind of poison or overdose of some sort of something that you need to get it out of your system. So, so. You described a little bit about where where you live and the environment that it's coming to mind. Are do you have? Can you walk around your rented space there, or is it? Or is there stuff everywhere? I am so thankful. I have a wonderful yard out back, um, and and I use it as much as I am able to without being too obvious. Um, but then, yeah, I I have I have things tucked away and I am a master strategist of hiding things. So if you were to come into my house, you would not know that I was a prepper. You would not see uh, shelves of canning goods, which so many of us, it's hard to find good places to store canning goods. And I would recommend you don't store those uh, anywhere that they can be easily come upon in your house unless you're willing to give up that entire pantry mm-hmm. to whoever enters your house to take your things. Mm-hmm. Um, but but no, in my house, I've got it all strategically tucked away. All right. So uh, I've over the years, this show's been going on since 2003. So over the years, I've had uh, preppers, you know, survivalists. I mean, the whole the whole gamut, the whole rainbow of that. And prep stutters is a whole new kind of segment for me but typically i'll ask this question here and i'll ask uh, i've asked other guests and i'll ask you now it when it comes to knowledge of looking uh, preparing and think of things strategically for future events in a lot of cases the the person is mocked and misunderstood Mm -hmm. ridiculed even to some extent Mm -hmm. time comes that it's breaking down and those ridiculers remember you yeah. And now they're coming to your house. Do you share? What, what's your perspective? I'm going to say that the Lord is going to have to lead each one of us according to what we need to do. Um, ideally, I would be out away from town on a place where I did not have that become an issue. But I will say that because of the circumstances that make me very much aware that the Lord has placed me here. I feel like I'm on a divine assignment. And even if it puts my life at risk, I know that he has chosen who the neighbors are on my right and left and across the street and and on the other side of my yard. I know every one of them. And when they are sick, I go and, and take care of them and their situations. I try to uh, represent Christ as well as possible, knowing that at any time they could throw me under the bus, they could turn on me. And yet I think, okay, if he handpicked who I am in between in this, in the scenario I find myself, and if I am certain that the safest place I can possibly be is in the center of God's will, whether that's overseas or here in the U.S. or in the city or in the country or in a cave, 
if I believe that the safest place is in the center of his will and that that is where I'm standing at this moment, then I have to trust that whatever comes down the pike, whatever happens, he is divinely orchestrating and helping me know what to do for that moment. I ask for wisdom and I and I have even in my bug out bag, I'll say, or or you can call it your get home bag or 72 hour bag, whatever you like to call it. I always carry two so that I am ready if there is one other person that I can supply it to. And since I am a woman, incidentally, I've prepared the other one for a man. Now, the reason for that is because a man could easily overpower me and want supplies. Secondly, I know that if I prepare it for a man, it's going to have bigger hiking boots in there and things like that that are that, that would probably fit somebody smaller does that make sense mm-hmm. so it would it would be useful for a man or a woman uh but i carry two of pretty much everything i've got so that in the event that it's time to help someone i'm ready and then when i run out of that i'll leave the rest up to the lord and i know he has a way of doing things that are supernatural that I have no way to predict how he'll accomplish them, but he does. And I'll worry about that when I get to that point. So, so do you unequivocally believe that in, in the event that say something's coming down that you, if, if God wanted you to be in a different place that you would have an, an undeniable knowledge of that, or do you have to assume that whatever choice you make is his guidance? Some of both. Uh, For sure, I can't speak for anyone else, Daniel, because I think there are so many Christians. I don't know. You could call them. uh, Oh, I don't know. There are many people who claim to identify as Christians and and I think that's enough. But as far as having a relationship with God where they they talk to him daily and they listen to him speak to them through his word. We don't have so many of those out there that 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 are seeking him, seeking his voice and trying to hear him and and trying to be led by him. And so I can't speak for for anyone else except for me, but I am seeking him and I do believe he will lead me. And if he wants me somewhere else, he knows tomorrow and the dangers that are there already waiting. And if he needs me to be somewhere different than I am right now, mm-hmm. he'll get me out of the way of that danger before tomorrow comes. And and I think that we can trust that. And if we do come face to face with that danger tomorrow, and here we are standing without a way to avoid it, trust that he knew that already and that he is walking beside us hand in hand through that danger and will keep us as we need to be kept in that moment. So whether we escape trial or whether we have to go right through it, he is with us, and either way, we are His. Does that make sense? Absolutely, makes sense. Uh, okay. I, want to, I want to follow up with another question. Do you ha- do you suggest people have a? You said you mentioned you have bug out bags, but do you have a bug out location? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so do you suggest people have it? I mean, and it is, should it be in proximity of where you're at? Because wouldn't you think if there's if this this uh, chaos comes, you may not be able to go to the highway. So is mm-hmm. it, can you walk there? Do you expect that you should be able to drive there? And, and I think there's yeah. an estimated with uh, maybe that no matter what happens, you might have three days to do go where mm-hmm. you want. I don't I don't know. I know that we have a three day food supply in the, in the stores. But mm-hmm. as far as say something bad happens, say, you know, they see a fleet coming across the, the Atlantic or Pacific and it's coming. You're going to have some amount of time. But 
So do you, so do you suggest having a, a bug out place close to where you live, or do you, have you do you put a circle say, well, I can get in this much time, I can get here. How do you look at that? Okay, I think that you should have about three different plans, okay? So so your very first number one top plan would be get home. If you can hole up at home, that's ideal. That's where all your supplies are. It's where you're safest and most familiar with what you've got to work with. So I would say let that be plan A. Plan B, a strategic location nearby and and then a different one if that doesn't work out. But besides those and kind of almost before you have those, I would be very strategic in mapping out where you spend the most time. So if you're at work and you know that you come home and go to work each day a certain time and it takes you a certain length of time and you always take that same interstate and then you turn onto that road, I want you to find alternative routes like we talked about earlier. And I want you to think of placing geocaches or people call them just caches c-a-s-h-e caches of Mm -hmm. supplies or or things that are going to help you along the way so if you were on foot you would say okay i know that under such and such a log out there on the greenway uh, at a certain juncture hidden in a certain place i if i can just get that far if i'm on my way home from work so so your plan a is to get home as your bug out location and you have geocaches with supplies along the way it might be very small but enough to keep you morally and physically um stable until you get home and then evaluate what do i have to work with which family members have made it home you know, who am I needing to look after? And if, and if I need to reevaluate the plan, then go to a bug out location that would be away from home. But that is going to be so much more difficult. You've got to be absolutely sure that, that you're going to be far safer if you got to that than where you are at home. If you are, if you are on your own property, think of ways to fortify it. Think of ways that I don't even want to say them over the internet right now for you, but I want you to be curious and strategic and unique in your plan so that nobody could predict that 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 particular closet that's just the just the linen closet has a floor that opens up that you can get down to a lower level that you could get somewhere underneath the house or at least out to the shed to escape or or whatever or I, I don't even want to <laughs> to give you all the ideas, but I want you to think outside the box for yourself and do your very best right now before a crisis to fortify and come up with unique, enjoyable, interesting, uh, unpredictable ways for you to hide yourself and your family and your supplies right where you are, even in a rental or even in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, is What is your best sense on uh, everybody everybody wants dates i'm just asking for general uh are we seeing something on a catastrophic scale in the next year couple years you think what's your spidey sense on that well <laughs> i do think we're going to experience a a definite financial um situation across the united states uh and and i know that there are many of you that are watching that are in other countries as well could be in in 
more than just the United States. It could be more of a worldwide situation where within the next 12 months, I think we're going to see some definite huge changes in the whole financial currency system around the globe. Mm-hmm. And especially that will be disruptive here in the United States. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one thing that I think that we should p- prepare for. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to affect a lot of things, but I also wouldn't be surprised at the cyber attacks. It's, it, that sounds minor, but now that we have AI technology that can replicate my face, my voice, my mannerisms, mm-hmm. the blink of my eye, everything, uh, we're going to see deceptions that creep in through um, through media posts and social media and all kinds of things that are all related to technology that has been twisted up or hacked. So the surveillance on your phone and your GPS and every single one of these webcams and you name it, every laptop, every refrigerator, every dishwasher now can see you and listen to you and track you. you, uh, I think we're going to see a whole lot more of that. Do, do you do you cover the camera on your TV or, or on your computer? Well, I don't even own a TV, so so that's oh. not even an issue. But okay. I have black electricians tape over everything you can possibly imagine, <laughs> wow. and I think it's just fine for anybody to. I was okay. wherever my phone is, I keep black tape over every one of the 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 little holes, and there are more than one. Wow. If you have an Android like me, they have the the front facing camera, mm-hmm. but then they also have like two other little hidden cameras mm-hmm. right on the face of your phone mm-hmm. so that they can do retina detection mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. scan your thumbprint and all of those, mm-hmm. man, you Google it, find out where all those hidden cameras are behind the surface of your phone and get black tape over those as well. Do you, yeah. have, a, do you have a Faraday cage? I do. I have multiple, lots of those. All right. All right. Well, we're getting, we're getting near the end of the broadcast, Krista. Let's get this one last question. And we, you mentioned about communications, and that's going to be an interesting concept to deal with in this whole whole view of this matter. And so, somebody asked, "Do you have a shortwave radio, or what's your method of communication when it goes south?" I do have a shortwave radio. I do have a, a broadcaster's license. Um, I think that everyone should have something, even a simple um, shortwave radio or uh, ham radio. Go ahead and get licensed. It's not very hard to do. Mm-hmm. I think that those things are are really important to have a couple of different systems ready for you mm-hmm. to, to use in that event and get the kind of, of world band radio that's that's a hand crank and solar both so that if you're outside you can get the sun to take care of it charging up if the sun isn't available you can hand crank it yourself from inside and have that power it up Mm -hmm. so yes those are very important but then come up with all kinds of things if ben franklin himself came up with a secret code to write his own journals in and for his family why would we think it's weird or strange for us to do that it's a fun project go for it come up with your own secret language for your family or secret symbols that mean things or ways to communicate that nobody else in the world Mm -hmm. would be able to decipher except for you and your mama across the Mm -hmm. the united states you know so you don't watch tv but there is a series called yellowstone and uh in the series uh, these the people that own this Yellowstone Ranch, if somebody crossed paths or got in their way, 
they'd kill them, and then they would take them to the train station, which was a, a very obscure place out in a, on a desert road and a hillside where they, they dumped the body. So let's take them to the train station. So that's kind of the kind of the, the secret language one can develop. Well, hey, Christian uh, Schwartz, I appreciate you so much coming on uh, the, the Edge broadcast. Uh, tell people a little bit about your website and you, YouTube channel, what they can find there. And, and yeah, if you don't mind, let me just give one final word to you because I would really love to just say this is what I would recommend for everyone. Decide what you believe. Decide what you're willing to die for. And then let that be what you live for each day between now and when your life is over, whenever that is. Mm -hmm. Decide what you're willing to put your stake in the sand in for that you believe and that you're willing to die for even. And then live for that each moment. Let it let that belief system infiltrate everything you do. And it's going to change how you live and look at each other and how you serve generously and live with hope for what's coming after this life. Um, but you can find me pretty much anywhere on the Internet at Prepstetters, Prepstetters.com, Prepstetters.tv is our is our YouTube channel. You can also find me under my name, which is just KristaSwartz.com. So I hope that you'll connect with us. I would love to hear from you if you've watched this broadcast, and I'll, I'll be sharing this with our viewers as well. But if you've watched this and connected through it, will you just let me know? And I would... I would really enjoy getting to know all of you, and uh, and I'm serious when I say this. I know it sounds strange, but I pray specifically for the people that were handpicked that happen to be listening and watching each episode and, and this podcast even now. So I am going to be praying for you that God gives you discernment and wisdom and takes away every bit of fear for the days to come. Awesome. Okay. Well, Chris Schwartz, I, again, I appreciate you coming on the show. Can we have you on again sometime? I would love it. Thank you so much, Daniel. I really feel privileged and honored to have been with you today. Okay. And now, in the interviews you've done, how was how this format? Did it, is it how how did how how did it come across to you? Just great. Just great. I'm so glad that it was a conversation and that you didn't just turn it over to me because I, I love hearing your interaction and you have a whole lot of scripture and a whole lot of wisdom that is is beautiful to, to have a conversation okay. throughout with. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Chris Schwartz, I appreciate it. And uh, I would say keep on prep steading. Thank you. I will. And I hope you do too, Daniel. I will. All right. <laughs> All right. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye.